Good evening, Patriots. And it is Sunday, June 4th in the year 2023. I guess if you're on the East Coast, you're now in Monday. But we'll still hang on to it over here on the West Coast. Patriots, before we begin tonight, uh, one real important thing is our, in our health is to use products that are natural and products that come from the gift that God gives us. And one of those great products happens to be CBD oil, which comes from hemp. And we're really blessed to have a great company behind this podcast now, CBD or CB Distillery. CB Distillery. They've got a full range of products available. And they include everything from to help you relax and for pain relief, sleep, and even recovery after fitness. I've been using these now for a couple of weeks and really been impressed. I've always been supportive of hemp as a product and especially that byproduct of CBD oil. And it's very, very good for the body. So you should check it out. These are made made from U.S. grown hemp suppliers. It's 100% clean ingredients. They test their stuff rigorous, rigorously. Can't even say the word. Quality is their top emphasis. And so if you head on over to CB Distillery, cbdistillery.com, click on your promo code or use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to get 20% off. You will absolutely not be disappointed. These are great products. They have ointment, topical ointments. They have ingestibles. And they work really, really well. So check it out, cbdistillery.com, cbdistillery.com. You'll be really happy you did. It's been an interesting weekend. I spent most of today, actually, in the garden um, getting the planting done. We really have hit a pretty peak season. And you can tell the type of season we're in, at least I can. I have seasonal allergies, which rarely crop up. But this year, oh my goodness, they hit me like a freight train. And I just wasn't, typically I'm pretty prepared. I, I get myself going on some immune boosters, which are all natural with vitamin C, vitamin B and stuff. Once in a while, if I have to, I'll take an allergy pill. This time, Man, I'll tell you, took an allergy pill, took all of that and local honey to try to keep things at bay. What that's telling me is the intensity of the spring. And even when I was checking my bees on Saturday, they're just loaded down with pollen right now. And it's where we went from, in our region, we went from a very late spring with cold and rain to a, just a sudden bloom. And everything is growing and it's exploding, which is wonderful to see. And it's, it's an exciting time to see. And I mentioned this on Friday's show, I think, but I had um, I was working on the bees on Friday evening, in fact, and um, I was putting on a new super on top of the hive. So they'll have, it's just basically adding an addition onto their house. So they've got a whole new area to expand into and they're ready for it. And so in the process, I was, I had my, my bee suit on and my gloves on and I was putting in some food for its brood food so they'll grow more babies basically and I have a top I have a feeder on top of the hive and I was putting those in and it was it's really sticky stuff and it was getting stuck on my gloves quite a bit and the, the wax paper so I uh, decided on the third hive <laughs> that I would uh, go gloveless which actually was not a problem. The bees didn't have any problem with me. They were crawling on my hands. I have no issue about that. I'm not afraid of the bees. And it's, you know, I'm talking to the bees and I'm being slow and easy with them, except this. I had my watch on my left hand and I saw it happening and I was like, oh, this is not going to be good because one of the bees decided they were going to crawl underneath the watch band. Well, as I moved my wrist, it bee got pinched and the bee stung. And then, of course, immediately uh, the pheromone alert went out and I was stung about three more times, which is interesting because I didn't get any reaction. Though I do have a knot on my arm where one of those bees stung me a little bit. So it's all right. It's one of those funny moments because you know it's your fault, but you don't like getting stung either. So you have the reactive part of like, Ugh a little bit grinding on it. And then you have the other part. It's like, hey, yo, bees, we got to have a conversation because I was here to give you an addition on your home. We got to work this out. But it's pretty interesting is how quickly that dispelled. These are pretty mellow bees. They're um, 
they're Italians. And so I, I got stung three times or four times or something. I don't know. It didn't matter. And by the time I walked away from the hive, it calmed down. I was able to get my watch off, which is still in the grass somewhere. I, I, this is the <laughs> You don't take a watch with a green band and, and green grass, tall green grass, grass, and drop it on the ground and think you're going to find it easily. It's there somewhere. I'll find it later. But anyway, I've got my gloves back on, and we finished the task, and the bees are happy, and I checked on them Saturday morning, and they're busy. They really don't. They're just a great thing because they don't really care whether you're there or not. They're just going to do your work, and all we're there to do is kind of steward, which is a lot of what I've been giving a lot of thought of this weekend. And juxtaposing that with kind of the realities in which we live, and we have kind of three realities occurring before us right now. And it's interesting, and I think we're going to see more. And when I say that, it's going to be more increasingly more divisive as we move forward, unfortunately. I don't think we're going to see unity come out of this very easily. We have, a, obviously, one camp of people that are really consumed with, I want to live any way that I choose to live, regardless of what nature says, regardless of what I anything else. I am truly... I am truly me. I am my determinant of the future. I shall live as thy, as thy will choose. Live as thou wilt. That's really the satanic motto. And they're pushing forward with a lot of this, you need to accept me because I am who I say I want to be. And there's some real problems with that, especially when we get into a lot of the transgender stuff because they're not living responsibly for themselves. They're, they're expecting others to accept them. And the interesting thing about this group, and I'm kind of looking at this from a spiritual lens, not kind of, very much at a spiritual lens, I find it interesting how at this group that's following this LGBT stuff, they're not involved in anything other than their identity. They're, it's a narcissistic life. You won't find many of them gardening. You won't find many of them doing things with their hands other than holding a protest sign and maybe some sex toy. There's, and I'm probably over, over categorizing a little bit. I'm sure there's some artists out there that are all consumed with this so they can throw paint on a canvas and call it art. But the fact of the matter is that the real depth of connecting with the greater gifts is almost out of their reach. And so what they end up doing is mimicking and mocking, whether they realize it or not. Because a lot of what they're doing is, is living in a world of mockery because they've fallen so far spiritually. Their energy levels, their, their frequency levels to connect with God are now off, completely disjointed to a large degree. And they reject God anyway. So they live in a, in a literal hell in many ways, because they're never going to be happy. They always want someone else to in, to acknowledge them. If you don't acknowledge them for their pronouns, for the way they are, they become angry and toxic. And that is a perpetual anger, and that's literally a living hell. So we have that. We have another group of people that are out here right now just kind of trying to get by. They, and they're willing to do, they're just, if you, kind of look at the fields of grass, they remind me to a certain degree of a blade of grass because as the wind blows, it will blow, it will change with it. And it will lean and bend as the wind blows. Though I would honestly say that in the existence of the natural order of things, these people don't fit in well. And unlike a field of grass that it flows together, these people flow by whatever is the easiest path they think they can take and they don't stand for anything. They just want to get by. And that's another very low spiritual frequency issue, which I find interesting because you're not, you're, not, you're not raising up in love. You're raising up in just, I need to get by with me. And it's an extension of the me culture. We then have another culture that's rising here very rapidly. And it's this technology-obsessed, AI-obsessed culture. Now, technology-obsessed culture is not new. But the AI-obsessed culture is really interesting to me because they're wanting to have a machine 
and they're fascinated with the, with the machine that is beginning to speak to them, talk to them, guide them, give them information that cognitively they aren't able to see, process, or don't want to give the time to figure out. So that's everything from chat GPT to the other forms that are out here. Lots of different forms of AI in flow right now. And they're obsessed with it. And AI is, is changing society faster than anything we've ever imagined. And it may not seem like it to you yet, but it, what's on the horizon is simply beyond scope of what we can comprehend. I mean, we are transforming human society. And again, we're doing it by our own free will. And they're charging ahead with this. And so they've, you know, some people have suddenly awakened to the fact that they're dealing with an out-of-control monster and they're calling for the brakes to be put on for about six months while people reconsider things as if government in its corrupt and benign, benign state will do anything other than have subcommittee hearings on it and waste taxpayer dollars and then make rules that only benefit the powerful elite. That's basically the government's role. And so we have a, an emerging power structure here that is more powerful than anything else out here at the current rate because it's artificial intelligence is linking into everything and people are feeding it. And it is very rapidly taking control of many systems and in the process creating many human slaves. And the number of people out here that are think that this is a good idea is actually stunning. So much of that is coming from the fact that our society at this core is broken. The humanity is broken right now. The family is broken. The values are broken. The morality is broken. We have lived in a world, and this has came up this morning. It's just a, a kind of a tangential point here, but it's very interesting to me. I, I, Woke up this morning and I did a was going to do a couple quick transactions for Bart's Fest, and discovered that my bank card was now locked out. So I called the bank and had a very polite person work with me, and we resolved the issue. So we thought, and I tried it again, and it locked me out again. And so I called again, got cut off, called. And of course, I have to filter through an AI voice. You know, it has to ask me all these canned questions and so forth. So I finally, for the third time, I got hold of somebody and they're like, well, your card can work when, you're, when you are in person, but you can no longer do any transactions online. And I said, okay, well, why is this and what's happened? And their comment was, well, you made a purchase at Lowe's, which I did for the for Bard's Fest. I made a purchase at Lowe's in, in Yuba City. And um, in the process, Lowe's was compromised. So in literally in 30, 36 hours, Lowe's database was compromised. And she said, she adds, she goes, this, this happens all the time with purchases like that. And it just struck me as just amazing where we've arrived in society where we've become accustomed in our dialogue to accepting the fact that our bank cards will get compromised, our data will be stolen, our data will be profited on at, for someone else's benefit, we have no privacy, our constitution is dead. All of these things have resulted in the tech world that we're in. And it's become normal to us, which is a rather frightening concept because we aren't even paying attention to it. We've just accepted it. It's just, it's become so normal, in fact. It used to be, and I don't know if you remember this, but if you lost a bank card and you, you had one lost or even compromised because it was in the early days, it was pretty rare. If you had to get a new card, it would be standard mail and it would take you, they would tell you five to seven days because they had to print the card and get it out. And then you could request... If you were in a pinch, you could request having it overnighted and accelerated. And that would be, say, maybe up to five days, but they would charge you some exorbitant fee, like 25 or $30 for a new card. 
anymore, this has become so normal that they even offer you. They're like, oh, we'll send you a card overnight, which she did. And I said, well, when is it going to get here? She says, Wednesday. I said, well, that won't work. I'll be in Yuba City. She says, well, can you go buy your bank tomorrow? I said, yes, before I leave, I can. And she said, well, we can just issue you a temporary. And then we'll mail you the other one. So the, the point of this is that we have become so accustomed to the broken system that we've adapted and accommodated the broken system to make it workable for us, even though the workarounds are just ridiculous. And this is the world we live in. That one little snapshot of a story gives us a, an idea of the type of world that we have walked into, that people that are pushing for AI-driven worlds want to continue to perpetuate or improve upon, but it never will improve. This is the world of man. This is the imperfection of man, and this is what we create, is we create empires of nightmare. And then there's this fourth path. And there's, like I said, there's probably more than four, but the four will do for tonight. And this fourth path was the path today in the garden. Just looking around at the garden, and we had quite a bit of planting to do, and having an ideal of what I wanted to get done, and looking at what we've had some, I had some germination issues for whatever reason with my carrots. I had one group of carrots do fantastic. I had another group of carrots that didn't do well at all. I had half of my beets germinate really well. I had another half of my beets not germinate well at all. I had some other issues like that, even in the early stages of germination this year, we had and so we've ended up with a mix of plants that I've taken from seed that isn't the exact mix that I wanted, but we're here. This is where we are. And some of the seeds that I, other things I wanted, I just received. And we're kind of at a critical window right now, which is what I started with, is our weather has suddenly gotten very good. And this, we're moving pretty quickly now into the peak growing season and planting season. And I really can't waste any time. We've got to get stuff in. And I'm going to be gone for a week. My parents are going to be gone for half of that week because they're going to come down to Bards Fest. And so this was the day to get a lot of this stuff done. I had intended actually a Saturday-Sunday, but thanks to the, the attack of hay fever on Saturday, which took a little bit to get over, um, which was pretty crazy. Actually, I haven't had one like that since, for about 20 years. Um, it was something. So... I mean, into today. So where this is all leading is I was just kind of looking at things and saying, okay, well, what is it in an ideal mix of, of things? I'm trying to look at the perfect mix for a diet, but I'm starting to look at this from a different lens and just saying, okay, well, but God gives us a bounty. And no matter what we have, what is what does our bounty look like here? And this garden's become really very prosperous in the last couple of years. I'm very past, very, very blessed with this. So in this process, we have, um, you know, I've got potatoes, I have sweet potatoes, I have onions, uh, I have lettuce, we have lots, of, we have still lots of tomatoes, we had lots of tomatoes to plant, we'd added six grow bags this year, um, we have peppers, we have kale, we have chard, we have lettuce, um, and Looking at, I have beets that are growing, carrots work. I have some carrots that are going pretty well. So as I just kind of looked at everything and looked at what's before us, and I just said, okay, well, what can we get in today? And what can we fill this in garden in so we can get going on this? And it's there that we just kind of let go and kind of let God guide us. And we're putting, we're realizing at those moments that we really are being given quite a bounty but the biggest role that we have here is stewardship in what we're given. And that process ultimately as well as risk. Okay. And when I look back at these other places, these other three lines that are going on out here, whether it's AI or whether it's just trying to get by or whether it's the whole issue of, of trying to, you know, I want to live as I will, but I want you to acknowledge me. The one thing that's missing in all of that is risk, and the other part is accountability. Nobody really wants to take a risk. You don't want to walk alone in life because if you do, you're, you would be considered, 
an outsider, so you must accept my pronouns, as an example. I don't want to challenge the status quo because I'm just going to walk as everyone else does so that I can keep my head down and won't be identified. Or the third one, which is, I don't want any risk in life. I want AI to give me all the answers, and then I'll have the perfect solution. Or if there isn't a perfect solution, this artificial intelligence will give it to me or will give it to humankind. But God didn't design us that way. And it's amazing to watch how many people have sucked into that narrative. And yet God never, God never designed us to be like that. We are, we are risk seekers in certain ways, or should be. And we should be reaching out. But what's the most even more interesting is that we become dependent on the systems of man and we trust them more than we trust God. So as, we're, as I'm planting today and I'm paying attention to the plants and the responsibility and, and we're just kind of letting things happen, there's a, there's a connection there in our world with the Holy Spirit, with everything to realize that as we move forward, you're also realizing that some of these plants may not survive. That's okay. I'm not stressed about it. But if we steward them well, they will grow up. They will grow to give us unbelievable bounty. And the real value there is that the fundamental thing that we rely on ultimately is food, one of the fundamental things. And that value is there. And there's a risk and there's a stewardship part of that that we have, we accept when we're human, that we don't have a connection to when we're at the store, we don't have a connection to when we run on AI. And that seems to be the biggest thing that humanity really is trying to avoid. Is humanity is trying to take risk out of life. And with that is the secondary problem is when you take risk out of life, you remove accountability. Now, I, I'm going to break a segue here because this is a little interesting sidebar. And, and as I enter that point right there, risk and accountability. So I, we got some news today that was not, um, it, it's not good news. I mean, we're going to pray here in a minute. And it's from KitKat, who many of you know in chat. And she was riding her motorcycle today. And I've had a chance to talk to her. And she was in a pretty gnarly accident today. She tipped the bike over on a on a pretty hard turn. And um, she's ended up fracturing her hand, fracturing her foot. Uh, her knee's pretty banged up. She's pretty scratched up. And um, anyway, she's her, her bike is okay, I guess. And but she's not going to be able to attend Bard's Fest, which is very unfortunate. Um, and so we're, we're going to pray for her healing here in a little bit. But there's an interesting discussion that comes out of this because I asked her some questions, just curious about some things. How it, you know, curious how the accident happened, and she was doing some mountain hairpin turns, so to speak. And she was, she's a pretty good rider too, by the way. And uh, had her bike is more of a cruiser than it is a performance racer. And she laid into the turn a little too hard, and she had set it up so her um, she could feel. She shifted her feet so she would feel the the catch of the pavement before the, she would catch the peg. But that didn't happen right on one particular turn. And it sounds like she was getting kind of tired on this day. It's a long day of riding. And it snagged the peg, and it looks like it slammed the bike on the side, and she slid, I don't. I think she said 15 yards or so. She slid with the bike on top of her. And she's in great spirits. And her, she just said, well, pray for me, but I'm a fast healer. you know. And she said, you know, thank Jesus kept me safe today, and all that's, yes. But I, what, I left that conversation just kind of reflecting on some things because that's us being human. And in the world that you're seeing that so many people are racing into, those three other worlds that I'm talking about, which capture a lot of America. And I would say, though, it's probably a fairly broad brush of generality with the three lanes of, of futures that they're trying to build. I think that it does a fairly good job of capturing the majority of that direction. That direction doesn't want risk and it doesn't want accountability. And you have a conversation with somebody like I did with, with KitKat today 
there's there's no finger pointing. There's no finger pointing going, oh, it was the bike. It was it was this, it was that. It was just like, yeah, I laid it on. I got into the turn a little too tight. I was a little tired. The peg grabbed before I could realize what happened, and the bike snapped, and, and I was on the side. And that's essentially it. There may be a few details I'm missing, but that's essentially it. And I have a lot of respect for that in that place. But I also, it's very, it's us being truly human and being within the body of Christ. We, God does not want us to be holed up in little boxes or as you would say in French, into an unquen, unquen, which is a corner. Doesn't want us holed up. We're supposed to be living life and there's a risk with life. There's a video I saw over the weekend. It was just classic. And it's it was an 80s mom versus an, a 2023 mom. And it was a skit, one of these skits done on TikTok with the same person talking to themselves, playing two different roles. Really adorable skit. I mean, it, it's funny because I laughed, but it's also to the point. And so it's this mom, the, the girl says, in this skit, the girl says to her mom, her 80s mom, hey, mom, my friends and I are going to ride the bike, our bikes down to uh, the store, and we're going to hang out there all day. And her mom says, oh, great. Let me write you a note to remind you to get me a pack of cigarettes. And the girl says, oh, mom, I don't want to do that because we're going to go down afterwards, and we're going to go take a look at that dead body down the way, and then we're going to, and we're going to poke it and stuff. And I don't want to have to worry about your cigarettes. And her mom says, okay. And obviously this is tongue-in-cheek, but it's at a point here. It's like, okay, well, don't bring any body parts home, but make sure and be home by sundown and, and try to get me my cigarettes anyway. Okay, that's 80s mom. And so 2023 mom is, hey, mom, I'm going over to my girlfriend's house to sit on her porch and to TikTok, do TikTok. And the mom says, okay, well, text me on the way. You FaceTime me when you're there, and you can be only be there for one hour, and you need to be right home. What's happened to us? And see, that's the whole three other worlds that I'm talking about. It's trying to remove any sort of risk in our life. Everything is so, we become afraid. That's the bottom line. And it is a, as people, we have become afraid. And fear, God tells us we have fear 365 times. Fear not. I mean, that's in the Bible, 365 times. Fear not. That's one for every day. And yet we're afraid. And we're afraid when we don't even realize we're afraid because we've been lulled into this sleep. We've been lulled into this, this sort of nightmare that we're living in, which is to believe that we can change the sense of risk in the world and that we can control the outcomes better if we monitor, we tag, we track, we do all these things and try to alleviate risk. So we'll add maybe an extra seat belt, we'll add airbags, we'll add texting, we're going to add 24-7 monitoring, we add baby alarms, we, add, we have house alarms, we have fire alarms, we have security alarms on our cars, which when they go off, no one cares anyway. I, I can just go on the list of things. And some things are beneficial improvement. I, I don't say they aren't. They're a human need-based issue. But we've become obsessed with trying to eliminate our risk out of life. You know, every time I get on my ATV, and and I was teasing Kit Kat today, I said, you know, in a world full of demonic attacks, it's probably a good idea to put four wheels under you and not two. And I said, so get a Jeep, because you can take the top off and you can ride with four and let the wind blow in your face. But anyway, I love my Jeep. It's actually God's Jeep, so I love God's Jeep. I'm glad I get to drive it, so I'm good with that. My point of all this is that we are, we are a risk-adverse society now. Our founding fathers were not risk-adverse, but we have become so, and to such a degree that we're willing to do anything to take our risk away. How many times, and I'm sure most of you can remember, in going into writing class or English class or history class or whatever the class is, and you had to write essays, 
look, I don't, I'm not mind dating myself. I mean, we had to write essays in pen on paper with cursive that were legible. That was a, that was a requirement. We didn't type things. And we had to do our, our research papers and we had to hand in our outline and it was handwritten and we had to do, hand in our, our research notes. They were handwritten. We had to put our, we'd learned how to do our research on three by five cards that you had to log everything in. And that was part of your submission in the final paper. And then you had to write your paper out and you had to do your rough draft, do your corrections of spelling, and then you do your final copy. And everything was done by hand and it was handwritten. That's foreign to a lot of these kids today. I mean, in worse than foreign, they don't even know what I'm talking about. Because in this, if you ask somebody to go get a pen, for example, they'd be like, okay, I'll go get a pen, and they don't even know what a good pen is. And this is to another kind of tangential point to that. Like, I happen to have in my hand right now a particular set of pens that I like. It took me forever to find them. And they're a rollerball pen in black, blue, and and, and, uh, red. And this particular, is these are not ultra fine points, they're fine points. There's a lot of little things like that. They sit well in my hand when I write. They, they, they create a good flow of ink to fit my style. Um, I prefer, if I have it, and I don't have one now, I don't have one I use regularly. I used to use quill, ink and, ink and quill. That was kind of my 80s, 90s obsession and even early 2000. And I had some great pens um, that were ink and quill. And so these were the sorts of things that I, that's how I liked to, to write. And I wrote, I've written a lot in that way in my life. So when I pick up a pen, immediately I feel it in my hand, whether it's going to write well with me or not. And I can tell you whether it's going to create a good cursive or whether it's not going to create a good cursive based on the way the pen feels in my hand. If you watch how kids hold pens today, I mean, it's it's half of them hold it like it's a club because they've never learned how to write. This is the world we're moving into to where increasingly technology is separating us from the experience. And that's the key part that isn't being discussed. So as I'm sitting here today and I'm kind of, I'm sitting on a digging board, if you know what that is, it's just a, or I'm a planting board, digging board, same thing. It's, um, I have a, about a three-quarter inch piece of plywood, which is cut about four feet. It's roughly about three and a half feet wide and about two feet long. And I sit it on my beds so that I can stand on it or I can sit on it as I plant so I don't compress the bed. So the bed stick, the tilt stays light. And, you know, as I'm kind of the back of my thoughts that are going on as I'm placing these plants in and as I'm taking out some of the starters that have, there's a couple of starters in some of these that have grown together. So you have to be careful and there's a process. I mean, it's, it's, I'm just going through some of these little details. It's like some of them were a little bit dry, so I had to soak them with water so then I could let them sit for about 20, 30 minutes, let them soak in there, and then I could loosely start breaking the plants apart to pull those, pull the fine root threads. And I'm always amazed at how strong root threads are. We, when you yank them, you don't appreciate it. When you're delicately moving plants apart and you're shaking the earth out of the starter, in that little starter pot, you're noticing how absolutely tough these little roots are. And you can, you can get a little better pull, pull, and then finally they'll just kind of slowly let, let each other release. But you're dealing with life. And as we go here and planting them, and, and I'm in the back of my thoughts, I'm like, well, what does, what's going to happen now with the people that are more obsessed with chat GPT and AI and dealing with these digital problems when it comes down to simple things like growing food? And the answer is we know what's going to happen. They're going to turn to the institutionalized food systems because they have no other answer for it. Or they're going to think that they can charge out there and get a, a, get a, a food system or get a plot going. And in fact, it's not going to happen at all because they don't have the experience to understand even how to grow a plant. Because to them, it's so easy. Just cast some seeds and... and uh, plant some water. And I think that's reflective in, if you remember the Seattle experiment called CHAZ, which was this 
know, securing of the downtown part of Seattle, a part of Seattle, where a bunch of crazies decided to set up their own country. And there's this great scene, and I've mentioned it before, where there's a, they've torn up a park in this area. And there's a guy sitting on the ground. And he's, he's got his head down, and he's, it's, it's just, it's a whole moment of just despair. And why is he upset? Because they were going to grow their own food. They were going to start this own little breakaway, and they've planted some seeds, and nothing is coming up. Because they don't know a damn thing about growing food. And they've never done it. And they think that it's just that easy. And this is what's ending up happening so much to our culture is that we're separating from the experience. We're, we're wanting to remove risk. And with it, we are not dealing with consequence. But when we do deal with consequence, we don't, they don't know how to manage it. God's world is not one to do any of that. And so kind of in the final thoughts on this tonight, I think it's also reflective in asking ourselves another very important question. Because in this world that we're in, where everything is being established by rules, laws, or a recommendation by a web search engine or somebody that does something on YouTube and we say, well, that's a great idea, or maybe an AI tells you how to do something because you're one of those that likes to use artificial intelligence to give you ideas, thoughts, or guidance, or maybe it's a, you read a <laughs> horoscope and you're going to live your life through that. That's another good one. But I mean, in, in these things, it's interesting how people will really obey that. And you follow YouTube. I hear, hear this all the time. So I got this great idea off YouTube. And then you kind of war game it a little bit. And it's like, that idea is not going to work here, here, here. But because it's on YouTube, it becomes a, a process that we'll obey and listen to. And that's going to get worse as we go in with chat, with the AIs and the chat GPTs that are evolving. Because as people are using these, the recommendations that are going to be made are things that they're going to follow. But what about the Word of God? Where does that come in? I, I have learned in my life as I've moved closer and closer in my walk with Jesus that I really process more and more in everything I do through Christ and to the Father. And I rely on that nudge or clarity and walk to really understand things better. I trust when I'm shown something that it's God giving me something and it ends up being very true. We start to see, and so maybe God will give you a word, and if God gives you a word, we need to live by it. But the question is, do we? And have we been so conditioned by a society that this is becoming increasingly difficult rather than improving for us? And I think it's something each one of us has to take to prayer and ask. So hear me on this, because this is not in any way a rebuke, a suggested condemnation. It's just a perspective that I think we all have to reflect on, including myself. And it's this, it's if we're so inclined to follow things from a digital sphere or something that we read in a book, why are we so apprehensive and why have we made it so difficult to hear and to follow the word of God? The first and primary source of all things should be Father's word. So if Father tells us, gives us a word on something, do we heed it or do we walk away from it? Some will call that a gut feeling. Some will call it a, a nudge. And it takes many forms. But do we heed it or do we not? Interesting parallel on this. I was talking to my dad. This was last Wednesday. It was in the morning. And uh, I said to him, I said, man, I said, I'm really getting this feeling. I need to get up to the property. But I'll just wait till Friday. And he looked at me and he says, oh, yeah, you go ahead and do that. And I, I started laughing. I said, yeah, I just kind of said the right thing, didn't I? He's like, yeah, go ahead and you just wait till Friday to see how that all goes out, goes for you. I'm sure it'll be just fine. Because he and I and, and my parents and I come to appreciate that when we start to get a nudge on something, we need to act on it now. Now, maybe it's nothing. In that case, in the, in the house, it was nothing. Up to the other property, it was nothing. 
I don't mean like I, but I, the thing is that I was getting this uneasy feeling because I had not seen the cows on the, we have some security cameras up there. I hadn't seen the cows. I hadn't checked on the bees for about 10 days. And there's just a number of things that were adding up that were gnawing at me. Now, I don't know what would have happened if I would have waited till Friday. Maybe something big. Maybe I've ever been a crisis. Maybe not. But the point is that even in that little thing where it's the reaction was benign, the fact is, and I, I, you know, love my dad for, for all he is, and that was a great reminder of like, if you get the nudge, it's 20 minutes. Get in your damn Jeep and go up and get it and check on it. No big deal. And he's right. Because we tend to walk over these things in a time, it's like, well, I've got this to do and that to do. And as we become more dependent on technologies and a way of life of either compliance or driven by a compliance to a machine, we're walking away from these subtleties that God's trying to talk to us about, and we're going to miss so much of what he's trying to show us or have us do. It's a big, it's a big deal. And then what we end up with is we end up with these bizarre interpretations, which end up, and I, I, this is just some, my personal opinion, as I've even looked back on my own life, we end up saying things like, well, God, you know, God did this to me. It's like, God did not harm you. He probably tried to warn you somewhere along the way. And you didn't listen. And it isn't that he let anything happen. He just has honestly tried to give you a heads up and you didn't hear, you didn't heed, you didn't make corrective action, you didn't change anything. And then you end up in a situation and the first thing you want to do is try to frame it to us some subtle way that it's God. Well, God let this happen. God made this happen. God, no, we did. Because at the center point of all things, we have free will. And this is what keeps getting missed here is that, all of these choices, and we talked to the four paths here before us, these are free will. And God's still over here talking to us. He's passionately leading us. He's there for us. And it's miraculous when we step in with him, when we walk with him. And he's not going to give us all the answers either. Because some things we have to fall. Some things we have to bump our head. Sometimes we, we have to do these things to learn a lesson. Not because he's disciplining us, because it's about us maturing in ourselves and in the body of Christ. And in this world, we end up in this kind of strange hyperbolic relationship with him, which is this, either God is providing everything I want or God is punishing me for not listening. And I think that's an absolute lie. I think we've created this lie based on the consequences of a world it's made by man. You must identify my pronouns. I don't want to identify your pronouns. Well, then I'm going to beat you. I mean, this is the current world we're in. Or you're a racist or you whatever else. Um, I don't I don't want to know anything about things. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay low. This is our second path. I'm just gonna lay low and let the world go by because I just want to get my job, get my I want to do my job, I want to get my retirement, I just want to just enjoy life. And you all that want to do this stuff, it's craziness, but you know, I, I find that's how you want to live your life, but I just want to live a quiet life and ignore it all. Okay. And then you've got the, man, you know, technology, it's going to lead us to a new future or enslave us, whatever that is. But there's this path that we just don't see enough. And it's a path that we talk about a lot here, but it just was really hitting home with me today. It's like the path that we're God, we're listening to God. And we're listening to words that he tells us and, and the nudges that he gives us and understanding that with that there's risk and there's consequence and there's also reward. There's risk in doing things of passion and intensity and that's wonderful. And part of that process, God's not going to intervene and reel you back. But we have to accept the consequence of that as ours that he's sharing with us if we open that door and invite him to the table. But it's a beautiful place there because we're growing together in the process. And it's this is the world that I'm after. I'm in, in probably oversimplified in some of these examples tonight, but I want nothing to do with those other three ways of walking. 
I'm not going to identify somebody else's need to be identified simply because they're so damn insecure that if they don't have it, they're going to go crazy. I don't care. Go crazy. Good. That's your walk in life. I'm not going to be a compliant fish laying there on the sidewalk hoping that I'm going to breathe okay out of water simply because it's easier than trying to flop around and be the one that jumps back in the pond. And I'm not going to be the person that's going to be pursuing technology to this endless thing of thinking that somehow technology is going to solve the problem of institutions of men and the incapacitation of these institutions because they were made by men. It's not going to solve the problem. It's going to enslave us even more. So that other side of that world is then I'm, am I one, do I seek and do I want the risk and the accountability? And the answer is yes, all the above. Because there's no other way to be alive. You can lock yourself in a house. You'll still die if they want to, if it's time, your time to call home. If you're driving down the road on two wheels or four wheels, if it's your time to slide and fall, you're going to slide and fall. Okay. Some of that along the way is going to be our decisions, like I keep saying. And those decisions that we make that are in our hands, we know that there's going to be consequences of. And when we live with those consequences and we understand that we're going to take responsibility and accountability, right there is the magic place. That when I step into something and I'm going to do something, I'm going to jump on my ATV and light it off as fast as I can out of the driveway and race down the hill. And I know doggone well that if I hit that bump the wrong way, because there's a couple of them I hit, and I turn across, turn those front wheels, I could flip that thing in a heartbeat and I'm not wearing a helmet. I understand those consequences. I do have a helmet, but I don't always wear it. Am I willing to accept the responsibility for those? And the answer is yes. And that's how we have to live. When we live that way, this is the magic formula because it's there that I believe that we truly reach the closeness with God. He's not asking us to be stale and safe. He wants us to live. And there will be consequences for the things that we do and we choose. And it, there, But <clears throat> the accountability, as we own the accountability... I think it's there that he shares it with us the most. And that's kind of the bottom line. We can't escape accountability. We can't deflect it. We can't point at anybody else. But at the end of the day, when we own the accountability, that's when we get closer to him. Because it's a father that smiles and says, amazing, I'm proud of you, I love you. And you're living as I want you to live. You're experiencing as I want you to experience. And it's at that, that point that the consequences don't become burdens. They become the excitement of life that we're sharing with him, even in its pain, even in the difficult moments. It's all part of us living into him, with him, through him, in the most phenomenal way. And we get so close to him. And we really learn what it is to live free. Everyone else? I, I, my heart aches for those others because in trueness, they haven't lived free. They've enslaved themselves because of their own inability to let go of their fear. Don't live in fear. Dig it out. Face it. Whatever it is, it holds on to you. Face it. Dig it out. Thrash it. Get rid of it. Set yourself free. Take the risks in life. Some risks are greater than others that people seek, but be the risk taker, be the overcomer, and be free within the body of Christ. It's wonderful. I think there. I think that's truly when we say he's at the door and let him in to dine with you. To me, that's where that all really happens, is when we are living, seeking, striving, reaching to be greater in him and accepting that we will fall not thrashing at him or suggesting that he's punishing us, but rather we're making the decisions. But the thing about the great, our great father, like any great father, is they're right there. They're never going to walk away from you, even when we fall flat on our face. Even if they've told us not to do something, they're still right there. 
with a hand extended to say, okay, you ready? And hopefully that answer is, yes, I want to go do it again. Let's pray. Tonight, Patriots, we've got some prayers for some people. We've had some news tonight beyond just Kit Kat that I want to pray for and ask you to join me. Uh, this is, these are some important prayers. So, Father, we begin this prayer tonight just with the declarations of authorities that are given to us by Jesus. And um, just really just ask tonight that you can hear our prayers truly for all that they are. We have some amazing people in our community and our fellowship that are in need. And so, Father, that we raise our prayers tonight in leaning into this principle that we do have authority over snakes and scorpions and authority over all the dominion over evil. And we do have the capacity to do all that as Jesus has done and greater works than he as he has gone to the Father and as we open our hearts with the love and trueness of a loving and forgiving heart. So please hear our prayers. Father, we begin our prayer tonight for Kit Kat, who was today, unfortunately, riding her motorcycle and uh, got snagged on a turn. She's dealing with a fractured hand and a fractured foot. So, Father, we just declare over her profound and immediate and miraculous healing. This is a woman with a heart of fart for Jesus, and we just pray for a pain-free night, knowing that some of the meds she's taking, she, she can't take many of them. She has a reaction to them. So we pray for a pain-free night and a miraculous healing of the hand and of, the, of her body and of her foot and any other ailments that come out of this to, as she sits tonight in this, in, this evening in the hospital for, for evaluation, just pray that over her completely for a total healing of her body, restoration to the strength that she had, and even so miraculous, Father, that perhaps she can even attend Bards Fest. And we do pray that for her, that she can be there and present in Bards Fest, and just pray that she will pray in with that much confidence into these prayers with us as we pray in for her, that we will truly witness a miracle of healing, profound and immediate, to restore that body as it was in the perfection of kingdom. Guide her and bless her. We also have a prayer tonight, Father, for Jeff's wife, who is does the show with Duncan. Uh, this is a, uh, apparently she is in the hospital this evening. Um, this is, she's been dealing with uh, a heart issue and a heart rate issue. So we just ask, as we pray over her, we pray that she will be healed and that her issues with her heart will be resolved. And whatever those things are that's causing that effect, stress or frequencies on the outside or environmental or even physical abnormalities, whatever that is. Father, we just pray that that will be, we rebuke any of those influences that are there and we focus purely on the healing and the restoration of her body and heart to get her back on her feet and back to as she was as yet another beautiful voice in this movement of miracles and the healing through prayer. And finally, Father, we have a Heavy prayer tonight for Bob, um, who's in our chat. This is the same Bob who has lost both his sons, and now we have word that he lost his father. Father, I don't know that any of us can comprehend this loss, in this, the losses that this man is dealing with. And I don't know that um, we have a clarity at all in our heart as to the why, which I think so often happens as we try to seek when in out of, out of normalcy, we, we seek whys, and there's not a why here other than timing and events. So, Father, we're, this is going to be a heavy one for Bob to take again, and it's stripped him of a lot of his connections, and his, uh, it's left him with an enormous amount of burden on him, as I know personally from talking to him, and it's difficult to get through this. These challenges, Father, whatever their reason, may, may you bless him with the path of Job. To turn to you, even in the darkest of hours, to lean into you, even in the darkest of days, not to forsake you in any way. Jesus, we just pray that you can bring a touch to his heart to lift him up, 
to give him that inspiration, that insight. It's easy for us, Father, to point to things, even words that we may hear, to give him. But in times like this, word is often difficult to hear because of the pain that we carry. So we just pray that whatever you choose choose to say to him, that it can resonate deep within his heart. And Jesus, that's why we ask so much that you can be there with him, to comfort him and to give him that experience with you, to give a greater vision, a greater purpose, and a fullness of love in the Holy Spirit, to overcome some of this pain and weight that he's carrying, and to truly be restored with a mission, a purpose, and an understanding of what his next steps are. And that's probably our greatest part of this prayer, Father, is clarity. We may not understand why things are removed, but sometimes we can understand the why when we understand the direction of where. So we just pray that you'll give him that direction of where to go, where to move, what to do in this time, and what all of this ultimately means for his next steps in both the gifts and the necessary burdens to be able to open our eyes, or his eyes, for a, a new direction and ultimately a rebirth. And so, Father, we just close this prayer tonight with a great thank you for the wisdom you continue to share, bless us with, and the reflections. Uh, these shows on Sunday, for me, as you very well know, are a blessing. They're just an opportunity to just casually talk and reflect deeply on our relationship in Christ and our relationship with you. So my prayer, Father, for everybody that's here tonight is a prayer of living and living free with you, in you, through you, but taking the risks, accepting the accountability, and placing that before you as we do things to try to hear you as much as we can, but also accepting the fact that part of our life is to live boldly, is to live fearlessly is the most important thing. And in reaching for that to appreciate the greater depths of love and relationship that we can have with you in that process to ultimately live free, even though the world may seem like it's a prison. So Father, we just pray for that blessing over everyone tonight, to the, the inspiration to seek, to strive, to lift, and to continue to strive. So thank you, Father, for all you give. Thank you for the wisdom. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Live free. Our whole world is talking, it talks about freedom, it talks about liberty, it talks about things, but it doesn't really live free. The freest place I've ever lived is Afghanistan. No kidding. The way that I operated, the way that I was, I got a chance to truly live with Afghans in a country that had really no rules, but it had it had an understanding that we there was a way to operate and there were consequences for everything. Doesn't mean that it was always easy. Doesn't mean things turned out right. But it was amazing to live in a place where you lived with the consequences of the life that you walked. Most Americans and most people in the world, for that matter, are not equipped to handle a life that way. And as much as our country here tries to talk about liberty and sovereignty, we really don't understand the, what true freedom means. But when we lean in to living our life in trying to push the boundaries a bit, listening to Father, heeding his warnings, but and not being obstinate and arrogant, but heeding the warnings, but at the same time pushing the windows to try to strive, knowing that what we do is our choice and that how we live and the consequences of that within the body of Christ, we also are accountable. We put those things together. There's an amazing space of love. It's not living as that will, which is Luciferian. It's rather living with the glory of Father with us and at times pushing the window a bit as we should with children, taking him with us, and then enjoying the process of living fully within him. Also take time to laugh. And I think that's my final word tonight. I cannot believe how many people I am encountering these days that are so wrapped up in their own seriousness, their own issues, their own stuff, that they don't take time to laugh. Take time to laugh and laugh at this dumb world because it is really ridiculous. My thoughts tonight, patriots, keep your head up, heads up and eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. 
God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Chasing mountains I can't climb Holding out for heroes in the night I find myself here in the dark We learn to fight and learn who we are But I am raised up to face the stars Full of light And we are Since